For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Ken, he'll be back with us tomorrow. He joined us for the first segment, though, here today. You can check that out on the podcast page. That should be up here in just mere moments, and you can check that out. Ken, uh, his thoughts on Vegas, what he saw from Iowa State, and even an NFL hit with Ken. Speaking of NFL, we got college football coming up here in just a moment with Bama Bob. This just came down from the Bears beat writers, uh, including Brad Briggs from the Chicago Tribune. Bears PR just came into the media room to deliver a message from Matt Nagy. Andy Dalton is the team's starting quarterback when he is healthy. Here's the exchange from minutes ago when Nagy was asked about Dalton if healthy, if he's a starting quarterback. Nagy said, quote, if Andy is healthy, is he your starter? That's something I'm not going to get into with scheme. Reporter, that's not scheme. Nagy responds, of course it is. That's 100% scheme. What in God's name is going on with this organization? It just, it is infuriating. Justin Fields is the future. Andy Dalton is adequate at best. You're not going anywhere with Andy. Why? Why continue this dog and pony show? Knock it off. Play Fields, even as he had bad interceptions like he did yesterday, he is the guy for the future. Bama, I hate rooting for this awful organization. They suck. I hate them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand this. I mean, you move up so high to get a guy. Now, I guess maybe they're looking at Zach Wilson and going, okay, we don't want that, um, you know, with our guy. But I don't think he's as bad as that. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, like you said, you just – at some point you move that – you trade up that high, spend that much draft capital to get a guy, and everybody wants him, and you're just not going to play him. I mean, he is the future – he he's going to have growing pains. He you have to see if he can play. I mean, you absolutely have to. Maybe they think that Dalton gives them a best chance on a week to week basis to win. I don't think that's true. I think he is at this point a serviceable backup at best. He's probably good in the room. He's probably a good mentor. He's made his money. Um, I don't get it. I'm, I'm with you. I, I just this is the one that I don't get. Uh, some of the other ones I can un- kind of understand. This is the one I absolutely do not get why you're just not going to say, why not just say, let's see how he plays. You know, we don't know how long Andy's going to be out. We'll evaluate, you know, we'll evaluate the situation when, when Andy's healthy. I mean, why, why can't you just say that? But instead you come out and say, nope, he's our starting quarterback when he's healthy. That's just ridiculous. What if Fields, what if he's out three weeks and the Bears win three games? You're going to go back to Andy Dalton? There's no way in hell you're doing that. So why not just say, we'll evaluate it when he's back. That's all you have to do and next question and move on. Making it too big of a story. That's what the Bears and that's what this organization does. Just inept, not well ran and well, there's a problem. That's why it's been as bad as it has been for this long. But we're not here to talk NFL Bamba. We're here to talk college football with you. Let's dive right in and let's make our way first to Gainesville. Number one Alabama. They're cruising. It's 21-3. Here we go again. Richardson's not going to play. If he is, he's not healthy. On and on and on. And here comes Florida. And it wasn't like it was a fluky comeback, anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was the physicality that they played with. Bama, I told you Friday, I did not like this Florida team coming into the year. 
thought they lost too much, but boy, the way that they at times manhandled Alabama, that was a yo. Yeah, that was that was the the stunner for me. I, I thought if Richardson didn't play, that Florida really had no chance because everything I had seen from Emory Jones for the first two weeks, I mean, you just thought there's no way he's going to be able to do this. And the reason I said that was I didn't think they were going to be able to gash Alabama for, you know, 250 yards on the ground. And I thought Gary Danielson, and I know a lot of people love him, or, well, maybe not love him, but, you know, like him, but, and a lot of people hate him. But I thought he made a good point. You know, Jones, there's no question that after that first interception, if Richardson's available, he's coming in the game. So maybe Jones just says, hey, look, I'm allowed to make a mistake, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm, I'm not going to get yanked. I'm not looking over my shoulder. And he just kind of relaxed and played. But that that was a shocker to me. The good thing, I think, and, and, you know, of course, Alabama fans down here are panicking now because they've got Ole Miss coming in a couple weeks, and we saw they could have hung 100 on Tulane if they'd have wanted to because uh, they had 61 with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. So they, 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 could, have, they could have hung 85, 90, close to 100. But I think the good thing is, if you're an Alabama fan, is those are correctable mistakes. I don't think Ole Miss is going to gas you. Um, the running quarterbacks, they have always given Nick Saban defenses trouble. Go back to Deshaun Watson and, you know, just pick one. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, when he was at Ohio State, I mean, it, it's just they've always been trouble for Nick Saban defenses and they didn't, they didn't play it well. Uh, they got out to the big lead, but I was I was really really surprised against that defense that they were able to gash them. But you give credit to Florida. Um, I <laughs> I hated the two point conversion. Uh, I I thought that was just kind of the weirdest thing how far how long he rode him on that option. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just e- either pull it or give it to him, but you can't do both. It's kind of like you know when you you don't let one guy play two on a on a triple option. Uh, and he just held it too long and made a mistake, and Alabama was able to kill the game. But I give I give Florida a ton of credit. I thought this game was going to be close. I thought it was going to be lower scoring than really kind of what it turned out to be. I thought it might have been, you know, twenty, you know, twenty four twenty something like that. Um, I thought Florida would play good uh, or play well, and they did. I didn't. I didn't. The me- the method by whichever that that they were able to run and keep the game close uh, really surprised me. And, and look, it was 21 to three and what is that? 26 to 10 the rest of the way. Yeah. That's, that's a good showing. But again, you know, if you're Florida, are, are you happy with that? You know, coming off, you know, they lost by six in the SEC championship game and now they do this. Dan Mullen's talking about, he wants another shot at them. I think Georgia may be the best team in the SEC. I've said that for a while. I think we we're all on them when we did our picks. I don't know that Florida can beat them, uh, but for one week, uh, I think you've got to give Florida a ton of credit. Alabama has a lot to fix. They've got a pretty crappy Southern Miss team, and then they get into the, you know, they got the Ole Miss A&M uh, two-step that they got to get through, and that's a tough four weeks for any program, especially one that's got so many new players coming in. With Alabama looking mortal, with Oklahoma having a set of issues, a lot of people had them number one coming into the year. Mm-hmm. With Ohio State already at the loss and not looking great against Tulsa, on and on and on. Are we are we finally trending to that spot where this is actually going to be my, more wide open than we anticipate? Clemson already with the loss, and they struggled with Georgia Tech yeah. on, on yeah. Saturday. Are we trending there, or is this just an overreaction on a Monday 
ultimately it's still going to be the cream's going to rise to the top. I think ultimately Alabama will get it figured out for the reasons that I that I said. And look again, I talked about it at the beginning of the year, guys. Uh, they've got four players, four offensive weapons last year that are starting and making an impact in the National Football League right now. Yeah. And I know you just reload when you're Alabama, but you're not going to take, you know. Two receivers off that team and the quarterback and a running back and plug them in and as NFL starters right now. It's just gonna, it's going to take some time. I think they will ultimately get it figured out. I can tell you one thing: they're not going to spend 30 minutes on Southern Miss this week. They're going to spend two weeks on Lane Kiffin and and Old Miss, who ha, who has a bye week. Um, but I, I do. I think it's a little. I think this year more than any, is going to be a little more wide open. Like you said, Ohio State already with a loss. Oklahoma, I think, headed for one. They did not – They did not. look, you give Nebraska credit, but are we at the point now where you're just giving Nebraska credit for playing hard? I yeah. mean, we can get to them in a little bit, but if that's what we're doing, great. Um, you know, you take Nebraska and Tulane and Oklahoma doesn't look great. But my top four right now, I have Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, and Iowa. Those, to me, have been the, the, the best-looking teams. I would not have Oklahoma – in the top four in the playoff, if it started now, I wouldn't have Clemson anywhere near it. I mean, they just, they, they've looked, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, did, did Trevor Lawrence really make that big a difference? Uh, maybe he did. I don't know, but he's not doing it in the NFL, but uh, they, they just look mortal to me. Ohio State's had issues. I just, I think this is the year that we're going to get, we're going to get some new blood, I think. Uh, now those teams of Oregon, Iowa, teams like that, they've got to, they've got to finish it. Okay. And they've got a lot of tough games ahead of them. Uh, you know, but I just, I think if anything, this is a year where you, you could see multiple one loss teams in the playoff this year, because I still think Alabama's there. I think Georgia is there after that. I think it's kind of a wide open. I just think it's a wide open field this year. This just popped in my head, Bama. More likely to happen this year. Something we've never seen before. I got two options for you. A, a two-loss team makes the college football playoff. That's never happened before. Or right. B, Cincinnati or another group of five team crashes a party and gets in. What's more likely to happen, you think, this year? I'm going to say the two-loss. I, I just think that there, Cincinnati's the obvious candidate. Yep. Trent. I mean, we all know that. The yeah, well, yes. Um, the 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 Indiana loss to me is, is to Iowa kind of took a little sting out of that win that they yeah. had. And I know they have Notre Dame on the schedule. Um, I tell you, the team that that to me had they been able to finish off in week one that we could be talking about would be Fresno sure. and the what they did with UCLA um, this weekend after the after they beat LSU. Had they been able to finish off Oregon, and they were up, what, 10, I think, uh, in the fourth quarter of that game, whatever it was, had they been able to finish them off, we'd be looking really hard at Fresno right now. That that coach out there, Kalen DeBlair, I mean, he he's not going to get a look at USC, but he should. And he's just not a sexy enough name and all that kind of thing. But the job he's doing out there is pretty amazing. And obviously he can recruit the state of California, but he's not, he's not going to get a look, but he should. But... I'm going to say that we we are more likely to sneak in a two-loss team into the playoff because I think we're going to have a lot of chaos this year than we are 
to get a non-Power 5 team in. And I just think that other than Cincinnati, I don't know who that's going to be right now. Um, and I just think that the Indiana loss and Notre Dame not looking great so far uh, is is might wind up hurting them in the end. But it's going to be a great debate. I'm hoping Cincinnati finishes. I really do. Uh, I, I hope they go 12-0, and and then we can just have that debate because I think they might be worthy of it. Uh, you, I can tell you what, Oklahoma wouldn't want to see them right now. Ohio <laughs> State wouldn't want to see them. There's a lot of teams that would not relish lining up against that Cincinnati team right now. BYU, another one, another nice victory for them. They make their way, get Arizona State coming in, back-to-back wins. In fact, three in a row against the Pac-12 for BYU. They still got Boise, mm-hmm. Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, and they wrap up with USC their last game. Don't sleep on the Cougars who come in at 3-0. and What's wrong with your youths, Trent? They're What's not going good. What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, goodness. I mentioned this one time last week. I think it was just to Ken. I don't think you were on. Watching Charlie Brewer, though, how good he was yeah. in that Big 12 championship game season where you know they played Oklahoma. He got injured in that game. He took a headshot. He's had and he just he's not right. And it's it's sad. It really is watching him because yeah. I knew how good that guy was. Yeah, and tough and just it makes you cringe every time you watch now. I mean, you're just you're so afraid for his long term health, even if he wasn't playing football. Right. Uh, and, and now just being back there, and you're right, just seeing him, and I mean, you're you're just worried that you're, he's going to take a big hit and not get up. Is basically what it boils down to. I mean, I I don't know how he's being cleared to play. Um, I wouldn't have him. I I I couldn't in good conscience as a coach. I'll put it this way: I couldn't in good conscience, as great as he is, as much of a competitor he is, as talented as he is, everything else. And I don't care if I needed a quarterback to save my job. I would like to think, as a coach, I could not in good conscience put him back there in harm's way. He just he just looks like he is one hit, big hit away from not getting up, and that's just scary. Let's flip around the conferences here. We've uh, dove into a lot of them, but anything else? Speaking of Utah, they were my pick to win the South. Anything else from the Pac-12 over the weekend? Stanford bounced back. How good they've been last couple of weeks after getting shut down by Kansas State? Might say something a little bit more about K-State there. You mentioned yeah, Fresno beating UCLA. Anything else from the Pac-12? I can't believe how bad Arizona is, <laughs> I guess. I mean, and nobody really cares. I understand. Sure. But, I mean, that program has been, you know, that's a program that's been good over the years, and they've been fun, and they've been, you know, you know threatening, I guess, if you will. They lose to Northern Arizona mm-hmm. at home. And I just, how how far... Kevin Sumlin, and, and I guess by extent, you know, Rich Rodriguez has just ruined that program. I mean, it is, it is just a shell of what it used to be. They're probably bottom five of, of power five teams. I mean, you want to throw Vanderbilt in there, although Vanderbilt had a road win. I'm not sure Arizona can win on the road right now. Um, it, it, it's, it's just kind of shocking how far they've fallen. You know, other than that, not really much out of the Pac-12. I mean, um, you know, Arizona, you mentioned Arizona State, BYU. That was a decent game. Fresno, to me, UCLA losing is, is kind of the story to lead in that. And we kind of get into the, we'll get into the conference games now, I think, in the Pac-12 after week three. I think they pretty much go all conference from now on. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a better feel for what they're really like. Uh, to the SEC, Arkansas, I thought that was a nice win. Georgia Southern yep. runs the triple option. 
coming off that emotional win against Texas. It was 24-10 at the half, but very workmanlike in the second half. That, I thought, was a really nice victory. Program learning to learn. You need to do those kind of things. Mississippi mm-hmm. State, though, you know how pumped up Memphis was to get a Mississippi school coming in town there, and they win that one 31-29. Yeah, and they got a lot of help on that. And that's the one – I'll tell you the thing to me, outside of the Alabama, there's two. there were two really good games, obviously, Bama and uh, Florida. Uh, Penn State and Auburn, I thought was a great environment. I mean, just, just for an SEC team to go up there at night in the whiteout in prime time at Penn State, I thought was fantastic. The game turned out to be pretty good. But off the field, my God, SEC officiating. Hmm. I mean, we saw it in the, the Mississippi State-Memphis game. You, you saw the punt return where the, the officials waving his arms, and they never they, they should have blown the play dead. They should have come back and reviewed it. Besides that, Memphis had two number fours, which is a penalty. And so, uh, and and you know, they win the game by by two points. So, I mean, listen, I'm not saying anything is sinister. I don't believe it is. But when you when you have egregious mistakes like this, including forcing Penn State to punt on third down against Auburn, <laughs> and James Franklin saying, I'm talking to everybody. I know how to do it. They take it to the replay officials, and the replay officials agree that it's fourth down, even though it was only third down Jeez. and forced them to punt. When you have blatant mistakes like this, and you now have live sports legalized betting, mm-hmm. you start opening yourself up. It is a factor. I don't believe it had anything to do. I just think they're incompetent. Okay, I've watched enough SEC football. There were so many... There were a couple calls in the in the against both teams in the Alabama Florida game for pass interference that were just absolute phantom calls and extended drives and led to points and everything like that. But when you have that those kind of procedural screw ups, I mean, you can't lose track of a down. That's just something you can't do. I understand it's your job. Maybe if you're looking at you know trying to get duplicate numbers, it's a penalty and all that, and maybe that's that's not just counting men on the field, whether it's 11 or 12 or 10 or whatever. So I'm not even really giving them a pass on that, but you can't lose track of a down in a primetime game. And they did, and uh, that's something the SEC is just going to have to really clean up. And it's been a problem down here for a long time. There's all these conspiracy theories. There always has been, always will be. But now that you've got gambling in the sport, you can't have those types of errors. But other than that, I mean, Ole Miss, I just, I mean, Matt Corral is. I, I can't wait for that Alabama game. Not as a fan, just as not as a fan of Alabama, but as a fan of college football in two weeks. I mean, Lane Kiffin is going to come to Tuscaloosa, and he is going to absolutely bring a what looks like an almost unstoppable offense. Now they're not going to run up like they did against Tulane, obviously. But uh, I mean that that game's going to be fun. But um, two big games. An Ole Miss blowout, and really not much else uh, other than just really egregious officiating. You mentioned Auburn, Penn State. I went to the same place, just the environment. So much fun to see. But Big Ten, what else for you this week, Bam, in the Big Ten? Um, You know, it's kind of hard. I mean, Ohio State, again, I mean, 13-6 to Uh at half with with, with Tulsa. And I'm just, I don't understand. I can't, I still can't figure out what's happening. Up there, and or what's not happening? I guess we talk. I've seen Ryan Day come out and said, "Listen, you know, uh, he our defensive coordinator was not calling the defensive signals this game." Um, I don't know. 
I, I don't understand what's happening up there. Uh, I still think they have a ton of talent. They have a lot of time to figure it out. Um, I, because we, we talked about their schedule or, you know, earlier and look, they've, they've got Akron, Rutgers and Maryland and then Indiana, who all of a sudden now doesn't look great, you know, before Penn State comes on October 30th. So they've got a long, they've got a good four or five week stretch to figure it out. They, they do have a bunch of talent. Um, they don't have Iowa or Wisconsin or anybody like that out of the West. Uh, so they, I think they've got a chance to be pretty good. I'm still not sold. I'm not going to buy in on the Michigan hype yet until they really play somebody good. And I understand Washington, but I don't think Washington is very good. Um, they've got Rutgers, I believe, this week. And then they kind of get into the meet. they got two row games to Wisconsin and Nebraska. Let's talk after that, you know, when they go into their bye week, how good they are. I thought Minnesota also a really nice 30 to nothing shutout on the road over, you know, not a great Colorado team, but after losing their running back, you know, first game of the year, uh, that, that kind of tough loss to Ohio State, I thought they bounced back pretty good. That was a nice bounce back win for them. Kind of tells me that your favorite coach, <laughs> P.J. Fleck, really has that team. You know, they're still playing hard and they're still playing for each other. Good good to see you there. And uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, also back for Minnesota. Really important what they do. The Michigan yep. State win against Miami, that was huge. Five teams now in the East undefeated, including Rutgers. Rutgers, Michigan yep. this week. And it's, it's not a joke. It's actually a big game. Crazy. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, and again, I don't know that Michigan will really, I don't know that they can challenge them, but it is a big game. And I just remember, I can't remember who it was, and maybe it was Bear Bryant or somebody, one of those old coaches talking about, you know, if you, when you play games like that and fans don't consider them big, it says, you know, if you don't think it's a big game, try losing it. Right. And, I mean, if Jim Harbaugh, you know, if all the goodwill he's got building, trying to build up, I still think fans are – a little nervous about this. I think they're still pointing to October second when they and when when they go to Wisconsin. Um, and Wisconsin obviously got a pretty big one. That's. A, I mean, how about that? Notre Dame, Michigan, back to back for for the Badgers. You know, this week. I know we'll get into that more on Friday. That game in Soldier Field, but that that's a pretty stout two week schedule to play Notre Dame and Michigan back to back. So uh, for me, I had two big bets in the Big Twelve this week. I absolutely loved West Virginia. They jump out 14 nothing. think I'm cruising. Got tight late and some decisions that were questionable, I thought, late in the game. But they hold on, win at 27-21 against then-15th-ranked Virginia Tech. What I got completely wrong, Nevada, the Wolfpack, come in with Carson Strong, really good quarterback, K-State playing without Skylar Thompson, and Will Howard, that dude impressed me. He did not impress me much when he played last season. He was a lot better, I thought, this week. And K-State, they got three Pretty good victories now as they look forward here, and that defense is really, really good. Yeah, I'll admit, I did not see any of the Kansas State game, but I did see the result, and I'm with you. That one surprised me because I thought Nevada, I didn't know that they had, I mean, look, I don't know that they had enough to win going in, but I really thought that they would, you know, especially without the quarterback, uh, I thought they would really be more of a threat, and, and they just weren't. I mean, and, and really the way K-State finished that game, I mean, 21 points in the fourth quarter, I mean, that you know, that that tells me that Kleiman really has them. I mean, they should be ranked. I, I know they're not right now. I haven't seen the rankings if they come out yet today, but that, that's a ranked team. That's a top 25 team. And now they get Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, or, or Oklahoma State and Oklahoma back-to-back before, uh, you know, an off week. And then, you know, Iowa State has to go to Manhattan. That's not going to be any – that is 
Well, we looked at that maybe at the beginning of the year. You've been on them all year. I'll give you credit. Um, but that is a good team. That's a good defense. They kind of remind me a lot of the old TCU teams yeah. that you know Gary Patterson had back in the day. They're just they're not going to be pretty, but they're just effective. You look at them and you go, man, my God, how many of these players could actually play for you know the upper echelon teams? It doesn't matter. I mean, he just recruits guys that you know they all fit the system kind of thing, and uh, and he gets a couple of difference makers, and he just goes out and lines up and plays, and really really nice win for them. Uh, again, Oklahoma. I just I don't know where to go. You mentioned West Virginia. That was a really good win over uh, Virginia Tech. Lady Brown. I mean, you know, Doge was good enough. Uh, got out to a big lead, held on. So good for them. And and I know we I know we have to get to the ACC. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that conference. I absolutely have no idea what to make of them. That that thing is as wide open, I think, as it's ever been. Clemson just has. Massive problems on offense. Florida State is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, NC State may be the class of that. We talked about it earlier. I know they've got the loss to Mississippi State. Uh, or, I'm sorry, it wasn't Mississippi yeah, State. Yeah, it was Mississippi um, State. Yeah, it was Mississippi State. Um, but, look, I just think that, you know, Pitt beats Tennessee and loses to Western Michigan. You know, Miami gets rolled by an average Michigan State team. Uh, you know, North Carolina comes back, you know, Maybe they, I don't know, maybe week one was a fluke. I don't know, but I I have no idea what to make of that conference. I just think it's completely up in the air right now. And, and I mean, for really for both divisions. I think Clemson could lose a couple of games if they don't get something figured out on offense. Uh, I don't know that they're going to, uh, you know, they could be in danger of not winning that division, which I would have never thought I'd say. How about Pitt? I mean, coming on the heels yeah. of going to oh, Neyland and winning, yeah. lose at home to Western Michigan. I mean, that that's the embodiment of Pitt football, I mean, since the early 80s when they were really good. One yeah. step forward, two steps back, and there it is. Bama, where they are uh, yeah, go ahead. handle success. It's like they hate success. Right. You know, oh, look, we go to, you know, we go to Neyland Stadium and beat Tennessee, and then we're going to come home and lose to Western Michigan. Well, we will preview everything on Friday with you, Bam. I know you're already taking a peek at some lines. you got some thoughts out there. going to be a good week. The Big 12 slate's really, really fun this week. Big 10 starts getting going a little bit. Of course, the SEC you mentioned. We're getting there, Bam. We're getting to... It was a lighter weekend. It was a goofy week, but, but this one, we can really dive our teeth into it on Friday. There's some meat on the bone this week, that's for sure. Be good, Bam. We'll talk to you then. Take care, Trent. Always enjoy it. Bama Bob checking in as he does each and every Monday with a recap and a look forward on Friday. We, boy, we got to take a break. We'll come back, though. More football talk. That doesn't sound like a bad thing, does it? No, we'll do it on the Cyclone front. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports. He's up next here, taking until noon. Miller and Condon. This is KXNO. The NFL is off to an incredible start. It continues tonight with Week 2 and the finale with Monday Night Football. But it's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings kicking off another week of action coming up for week three, giving all you new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet a buck on any football game. Receive $150 in free bets instantly, even if you lose the bet. This season, all customers, all of you, can also win win big with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Same Game Parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. Tonight, let's see, what could you do? Aaron Rodgers to throw two-plus touchdown passes, Packers to win on the money line, and the over, parlay it all together in the same game. You can do just that. 
in any NFL game. You do something like that, you'll be credited up to $25 even if you lose. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. The best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code KXNO when you do. Receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a $1 bet on any football game. Promo code KXNO this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one word. If you're thinking of incorporating or setting up an Iowa LLC, zoom right past LegalZoom and work with Rush Niggett, a Brick Gentry PC. He's set up an affordable online small business package that helps you decide whether to form a limited liability company LLC or a corporation. With Rush Niggett's help, it's easy to form your new small business. Rush Niggett, a business lawyer with Brick Gentry Law PC. Go to RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on your side. Path forward. High school sports fans, having trouble finding apparel that properly highlights your fandom and school spirit? Then you should check out the Norwalk Shop, located in Norwalk, Iowa. We've been in business for over five years, supporting high schools and small businesses across the state of Iowa with affordable custom apparel. Have a small job that requires embroidery? We can do that too, and cheaper than anyone in the area with just a $12 setup fee. Check us out on Facebook or stop into 810 Main Street, Norwalk, and let us know how we can help you out. The Norwalk Shop. You get your podcast. Joined by Dr. Ethan Heisman from Elite Eye Care University Avenue in West Des Moines. I suffer from dry eyes. It's not just eye drops. There's other treatments that are out there. We have one of the newest treatments available in our office. It's called Intense Pulsed Light, or IPL. It targets the abnormal blood vessels that are the root cause of the inflammation causing dry eye. The side benefit is you don't see those blood vessels anymore. That's Elite Eye Care. 9250 University Avenue in West Des Moines and a new location, the Eye Company. Summer. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Ken's away. We can have a little fun with the music when we come back here. I like the stone. I like Ken's stuff. I like old stuff. But I like NWA. And Ken, I'm going to guess, not probably at the top of his list. Of his favorite musical choices. Welcome back here to Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Here with you until noon. We are late. Let's get right into it. Michael Swain joining us from CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Michael, appreciate your time here. Apologies. Bam and I were just going on and on and on talking college football. How are you here on this Monday? No, we're doing well. I mean, it was different for me being able to watch a ton of college football games with a 9.30 p.m. Central kick, so... That was definitely nice for a change. I'll be honest. Uh, I caught up with it last night on the basically middle, about 10 minutes left of the fourth quarter on because I didn't make it to the end of that one on Saturday night. And I'm going to guess I'm not alone. Hey, if that thing was 24-24 going in the fourth quarter, would have been different. But UNLV, that's just a bad football team. Oh, 100%. And I think that with this performance, you have to take into account that it was UNLV, even though Iowa State looked really good. I think that that UNLV team is... Not great, and I think it says something about maybe their quarterback situation right now where I think they had three guys take snaps, and Tate Martell wasn't even able to kind of be the sole quarterback there. So I think for Iowa State, it was very much just a a get-right performance, something you needed, and something that was good to see was also maybe a lot of the younger guys going to take some snaps late on in the game, which obviously they weren't able to do against Northern Iowa or Iowa. So uh, 
you know, taking things away, what can you do? What do you look at? Where do you kind of fire through here? And like you said, UNLV is just not a very good team. It's hard to get overly excited about things. And really more than anything, you could tell right away, it was a concerted effort. We're going to get Brees Hall involved. We're going to get this running game going. You look at the overall numbers, there wasn't a huge gainer in there. There wasn't you know, some 70-yard run out of it. It was a grind at times against that UNLV front. Does that lead to a concern still about this offensive line, just trying to push the right buttons up front? A little bit. So it's interesting because I, I do something where I kind of chart the personnel Iowa State's using, and I'm about halfway through the, the game right now, and it's a lot of the two tight end stuff that Iowa State likes to do, but I thought it was interesting that they used that against the UNLV team where you thought that maybe Iowa State's skill guys on the outside, Xavier Hutchinson, Joe Skates, Tariq Milton, maybe they would have some more success, but like you said, Iowa State took very much kind of the more methodical approach. Let's get Brees Hall involved. Let's use Brock Purdy's legs a little bit. And I think for the offensive line, it is getting to be a little bit of a concern just from my perspective of you're looking at an experienced group that, you know, going into the season, I think you'd assume that if anything, that, you know, on the ground, they'd be better, right? Derek Schweiger is not going to be an all Big 12 right tackle in terms of pass protection, but he could be one of the better right tackles in the Big 12 when it comes to against the run. But even then, the offensive line wasn't able to create as much of a push as I thought they would be able to against that UNLV front. Um, I thought the tight ends did a good job of blocking. But in general, I think that going into Big 12 play, that offensive line group is a kind of a, a question mark, I would say, just because you're going to play some really good defensive fronts in the Big 12. I mean, you can look at Oklahoma. Their defensive ends are really, really good. And it just leaves a little bit of concern going kind of into Big 12 play there. I've been let it known. I don't think this is a great offensive line. I think a healthy Brees Hall certainly covered up some of their their issues the last couple of years just because he is so talented. He is so good in Hall. Maybe he's just not right. And we've heard that banged up leading into the Iowa game. Maybe that's the problem there. But even with all this angst on the offensive line we're trying to put on a 48-3 to win in the game. How about this? This number from Pro Football Focus. Brock Purdy was pressured one time. One time all game long. Yeah, and it's so interesting because you look at that compared to maybe the Iowa game where Purdy was pressured a bunch. Mm-hmm. And we know what Brock Purdy's like when he doesn't get pressured. It's when he looks really good, yeah. when he has a clean pocket, able to make really good decisions and not have to make stuff happen in a split second. And I think that is interesting that you know Iowa State was really good against uh, maybe on the passing downs, but maybe not as effective on the running downs. Because you mentioned PFF there. The, the grades for the run blocking weren't great, and they haven't been great. Um, but even so, I think if you're Iowa State, I think you'd prefer if Brock Purdy has more time. Because like you said, Brees Holt does make the offensive line look better at times with his vision, his ability to cut back. I think that Brees Hall looked a lot closer to 100% on Saturday than he's looked all season. I think that when Brees Hall is at his best and he's at 100%, he's cutting back. He's finding holes that maybe aren't necessarily created by the offensive line, but more by the defense trying to stop him. So. I think that was, that's an interesting stat, and I think going into Big 12 play, I think off from the offensive line perspective, you'd certainly like to see more of that. Defensively, though, this team is elite, and it doesn't matter who they're playing, they're going to be there. They're going to be in every single game you got to feel because of what the defense is. I thought that Commanding King, he really jumped off. I thought he played one of his better games as a Cyclone. 100%. Yeah, I thought Commanding King's been great to start the season, and his trajectory to this point is really fascinating, too, because... He didn't redshirt as a freshman. He played enough games to where he didn't get the redshirt. Last season, play some corner, but as the season progresses, he makes the switch to safety. 
And then Iowa State brings in the graduate transfer, Jaquan Amos, from Villanova. And he and Kamani King competed throughout fall camp. Kamani King wins that battle. And I thought he's been really good to start the year. Um, I tweeted this during the game, but something that's impressed me about King is, despite the fact that he's under six foot and not even 190 pounds, he packs a punch when he hits. It's a little bit like Aishim Young, who is a lot bigger than him in terms of just physicality and his weight. But I think Kamani King's been great to start the season. And I wrote in our kind of who stood out, who didn't call him, that I think that's a position that going into the year, you were kind of questioning, well, can I seek a consistency kind of losing Lawrence White? And it seems like, you know, through three games that Kamani King's brought that consistency, which I think is really good for Iowa State's back end. Jumping forward from that one, let's look forward to Baylor this week. It's another road trip. I think that's going to be certainly a talking point this week, going on the road back-to-back weeks. And it's it's not like a short road trip. It's not like you're driving to Manhattan and Lawrence and back-to-back weeks here. It's a long flight out to Vegas, back home, then down to Baylor. We'll see if it's going to be hot again in Waco two years ago. That was a huge storyline as Iowa State couldn't put their tents up on the sideline here. But it doesn't feel like Baylor, they were not very good a year ago, yet they played right with Iowa State, and it's another road game. Just a, an overview of the Bears. Yeah, I think that for Baylor, it seems like they've taken at least a little bit of a step forward compared to where they were last year. And the Baylor game last year was so odd because obviously Brock Purdy threw those three interceptions in the first half. Just a, a weird game in general that I felt like maybe statistically Iowa State was a lot better and maybe more superior than the final score indicated where, you know, Baylor has that drive at the end of the game where they could tie it and Mike Rose comes up with the interception to seal the game. So I think for Baylor, you look at maybe that offense, they've got a good running back core, not too convinced by their quarterback so far. I wasn't overly impressed with what he did against Kansas, especially in the first half. I think the second half, Kansas just made so many mistakes as Kansas tends to do. Um, and I think from Baylor's perspective, I think that's a good defense. Again, Dave Aranda is known as a defensive head coach, and I think it'll be a good test for Iowa State's offense. But I think, like you said a minute ago, Iowa State's defense is going to allow them to be in just about any game that they play in. So I think for Iowa State, it, this could be a really good test to kind of see where they're at offensively, how close Brees Hall is to 100%, how close Charlie Kohler is to 100%, and even maybe someone like Sean Shaw being back. Maybe he's able to have a little bit more of an impact kind of in this first Big 12 game. Good stuff. Hey, Michael, enjoy it this week and a couple weeks away. You got any buddies coming up for the Kansas game, making their way up to, to Des Moines and Ames for that matchup in two weeks? Yeah, it's funny. I actually do. I was talking with them uh, over the weekend about it. With it being a 6 p.m. kick that was just announced, it mm-hmm. seems like it'll be a, just a few of my friends I went to school with that'll be up here, which will be fun. That'll be awesome. I saw you were also out at Roosevelt at Drake Stadium on Friday night. I was just above you. I wish we uh, would have ran into each other. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a first time kind of watching James and Pat and Kai Black in person during a game, but definitely have to connect next time. Definitely. Have a good one. Have a good week, and we'll read it all at CycloneAlert.com. Thank you, Michael. Awesome. Thanks, Trent. Appreciate it. Michael Swain. Give him a follow on Twitter at mswain247247 sportscyclonealert.com. We wrap things up on the other side. Mr. Monday Night. Looks to go to 2-0 and on the season. A pick when we come back. Miller and Connick continues. 1460 KXNO 106. Mr. Monday Night's got a banger for you. Call 1-800-MILLER and Connick. I got a winner for you tonight, though. Relax, right? We're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to say it again. Everybody up in arms after that week one performance. Overreaction, the Lions come back yet. It's a divisional primetime game. 
Grab the points tonight. 11 and a half is the number. Grab each and every one of them because I think you're going to need each and every one of them. 27-17, the final. That is a cover for the green uh, for the Detroit Lions. There it is. Your pick. The Lions. Yuck. Mr. Monday Night looks to go to 2-0. That'll do it for the show today. Speaking a quickly, there's a $25 16-leg NFL parlay. Guy could win three quarters of a million dollars. All he needs, Lions to win. Uh-oh. Hello, Hedge. Murph and Andy coming up at 1 o'clock. The Fanatics at 3. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.